the Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team. <laughs> Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state, and national politics and the real issues that really matter. You, too, can be part of Armchair Politics. Find us on Facebook. We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned. Because it's on now. Hey, good morning. Welcome to this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our political roundtable on the Tom Sumner <laughs> program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes our roundtable regulars on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Hey, Paul, good morning. Welcome. Good, good morning. Good to be here. And uh, on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Good morning to you, Henry. Welcome. Good morning. And uh, finally, we uh, have this week joining us uh, East Village Magazine Consulting Editor Jan Worth Nelson. Hi, Jan. Good morning. Good morning. And morning, Jan. Hi, hi. How's everybody doing? Well, Good, thank you. I'm, I'm a little disappointed that the weather was so iffy today because I was hoping that this would be our first face-to-face encounter. But fortunately, we're um, not getting together not because of the pandemic, but because of the weather. <laughs> so so I'll, I'll consider that on the plus column, I guess. Uh, we always start out uh, armchair politics with a few quotes, and the first one is always a finish the quote, fashioned after uh, Flint-based comedian Mark Bondo's uh, Facebook 
feature finish the joke we open armchair politics with finish the quote and it goes like this is where i ask you how you would you finish this quote and here's the quote uh, visit with your predecessors from previous administrations they know the ropes and can help you see around some corners try to make original mistakes rather than what how would you finish this quote oh, the usual rather than repeating the old mistakes yes yeah, that's 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 basically it. Um, the original quote was uh, visiting with your predecessors or visit with your predecessors from previous administrations. They know the ropes and can help you see around some corners. Try to make original mistakes rather than needlessly repeating theirs. Morning. The President Carter. I'm going to guess Jimmy Carter. No, but that's no? that's an interesting guess, but it was actually Donald Rumsfeld. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Former yeah. defense secretary under two presidents. He passed away uh, June 29th at age 88. And he he's also the author of one of my favorite quotes of all times. I think I've shared this a few times. Paul, you'll probably remember me bringing <laughs> yeah. You probably know the, the quote I'm thinking of, and that was... Uh, when um, Rumsfeld was uh, Secretary of Defense and he was being asked why uh, the U.S. was uh, invading the Middle East um, without the support of France. And he said, well, going into battle without France is like going duck hunting without an accordion. He came up with some buttes over the years. He really did, yeah. Yeah. Also, he was a, a man of independent thinking. Right. I was going to say, he, he didn't really admit to his mistakes if he had any, did he? No, no. But he was also, I think, also the youngest and the oldest Secretary of Defense, wasn't he? I, I think yeah. you're right about that. I, yeah, I think you, you're right about that, Paul. Um, but but I did want to mention him and acknowledge. In fact, um, I had a, a guy on the show a couple of times who um, had been a uh, speechwriter for um, Donald Rumsfeld, Rumsfeld before uh, before joining um, George W. Bush's speechwriting staff, and and he had some interesting observations about Donald Rumsfeld. He was very fond of him, and uh, and George W. as well. And he went to Flint Central High School. Oh, oh who's that? Matt. Um, I just saw one of his Facebook posts uh, of of him and his kids, um, and and his name is just jumped right off the tip of my tongue. Um, oh, that's okay. Don't, yeah, yeah. I, we'll move on. If it comes to me, I'll I'll uh, I'll share it. Um, but like I say, he's been on the show a couple times. He, yeah, I think I recall the interview when I that you mentioned it. Yeah. And, and and interestingly, uh, he wasn't the only um, White House staffer that that I interviewed that was from Flint. Nancy Reagan's former chief of staff. Oh, I'll be there. Rosebush. Uh, I'm trying to think uh, um, of his uh, of his first name, but he wrote a great book about the Reagans, and he was on the show. In fact, he was on the show talking about Nancy Reagan's funeral he had attended. Um, hmm. 
in any event, we move on, and uh, a couple of quotes that caught my attention this week. One was, today, all across this nation, we can say with confidence, America is coming back together. Well, I guess that's Biden. Yeah, that'd be my guess, too. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was, in fact. President Joe Biden touted the nation's progress against the coronavirus pandemic Sunday evening as he and First Lady Jill Biden hosted their biggest party yet at the White House, marking the July 4th holiday. 245 years ago, we declared our independence from a distant king. Today, we are closer than ever to declaring our independence from a deadly virus. Um, The U.S., Biden said, is seeing the result of the unity of purpose. Is America coming back together? My question would be, if he says it often enough, will it be true? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, he's I, time, and I'm not so sure the evidence supports it. Yeah, I'm, I'm well, skeptical. Yeah. Although there's a little bit of me that, that wonders whether or not the sheer exhaustion of the division may bring us together. That we'll, just get, we'll be so tired of fighting that if nothing else, we'll, uh, out, of, out of exhaustion, we may come together somewhat. I don't know. But, yeah, there's really not, no great evidence that's, that's happening at any, at any great speed. Yeah, right. I, I, What's your I thought, would, Henry? Well, I would say um, the country is pointing, beginning to point in the right direction. Huh. Uh, it, it needs to overcome uh, a new definition, establish a new de- the definition of leadership and uh, for the republic. The tail should never wag the dog. There are just too many s- cells and little entities and special interest groups around the country that create crisis and the, uh, the the president has got to learn how to to weed through those and not overreact and uh, you know i saw a couple pictures on the facebook where he uh has his mouth open and looks like he's shouting at someone well typically that is not the president of the united states that i know the one that is here on tv every day He's a calm man. He speaks uh, softly, and he does, I believe, uh, anger his own party in times when he makes his own decisions, says that he's going to move in a certain direction that's more favorable with working with the Republican Party. So I, and then the racial unrest and stuff like that, I think the country is pointing in in the right direction. It wants to move in that direction. The only thing is we need to get more people concerted to move in a direction. I think he's doing what he thinks is best. Well, I think it's. Uh, I, I think what Paul said was kind of interesting about, um, you know, just just uh, uh, just the divis- uh, divisiveness fatigue or. Yeah. Or troll fatigue. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. there is such a thing, but I also, but but I also wonder and and hope that it might have a little bit to do with uh, with President Biden's attempts to play soothsayer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I and I think to some degree it's working. I mean, I think you do see that the temperature coming down a little bit. I mean, there's a, a lot of evidence for division, yeah. but. You get a, a different sense now than you had six months or a year ago, I think. Um, well, and we got to move in that direction. Uh, we're uh, 
we're just too close to breaking up completely. We're not an autocratic country. We're, we're, we're a, a republic. And, uh, <clears throat> but we act more like a corporate imperial government. It's either all one way or the other, but never any in between. And I don't think the framers of the Constitution, while they knew people were different, and they had strong beliefs, it, that was not the end point of the experiment that they designed for America. It was to uh, let the majority lead. I think it's interesting in light of the, this divisiveness question how the recent events have uh, put a spotlight on sort of states' rights issues and the role of the federal government in relationship to the states' uh, uh, you know states' rights. I, I don't. You guys are more experts on these uh, on these things than I am because you both are you are all better on your history, but. Um, I think it's interesting the comparisons are being made to what happened after Reconstruction time and how that fight to keep the slave states in power um, mm -hmm. tore apart the country. And in a way, we're replaying some of those same divisions through those legal means that are being uh, resurrected. I, I'd like to, I kind of wanted to know what you guys thought about, what you all think about that. Yeah, what's interesting is that states are now, I mean, in terms of the the the, the uh, limitations on voting, one of the arguments you see revolving around that is, oh, it's a matter of states' rights. States ought to have the right to set the rules about voting. And now I've also saw seen a story in the last couple of days about uh, gun rights. A number of states, I think the number was 22 or so, have passed laws saying they will not enforce federal gun limits of some kind. So you're seeing the state, the... And again, it's larger on the Republican side, states pressing back on various issues, saying, well, it's a state's rights issue in some way, uh, whether it's voting or gun rights or, again, potentially other things, too. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. COVID was one of those situations that um, showed us that the federal government, that a national policy can really be helpful to people but, and yeah. necessary cause that, because COVID happened to everybody. And and so it, it seems like um, you know Biden's uh, strong uh, attempt to exert federal authority or federal influence over things um, has been supported by the needs of uh, getting over COVID. So now the question to me would be, where do we go from there? I mean, is there any other role for the federal government that would bring us together and help people um, that he can get that that can happen? And it, it feels like the the fight is all in the other direction right now. But Henry, I hear you trying to get in there. We got about thirty seconds. Well, I, I just think we got to also consider what was going on racially in this country and with respect to wealth and gender. Those yeah. kind of things are still out there, and we mm -hmm. need to resolve those so that we can move ahead into the future. I don't think that we can move ahead, and this is domestic policy, and we haven't touched upon foreign policy, which is a greater threat than what our domestic policy is right now. And we'll get to that coming up a little bit later. And that was that was perfect, Henry, and I feel so so good about not having to <laughs> cut you off before we go to break. And uh, we're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. And then we'll return with more armchair politics coming up right after this.
Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed. 
a magical place with magical charms indoors 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 take it away hi this is deb cherry genesee county treasurer and you're listening to the tom sumner radio show Hey, welcome back. Armchair Politics continues on the Tom Sumner program with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Jan Worth Nelson. And uh, I'm going to squeeze in uh, another quote before we uh, take a look at some, some local issues. Um, the quote goes like this, Thanks to the revolutions in technology, today virtually anyone in this country can publish virtually anything for immediate consumption virtually anywhere in the world. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, uh, one of the tech giants. Yeah, I was going to say Bill Gates or one of those. Yeah, or, um, you would Jeff think, you, you would think, but uh, the, the reason that it caught my attention is uh, it was Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch. Justices Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch on Friday said the Supreme Court should revisit the breadth of the landmark First Amendment decision in New York Times versus Sullivan and explore how it applies to social media and technology uh, technology Mm. companies. The 1964 ruling created a higher bar for public figures to claim libel and has been a bedrock of U.S. media law, but the two conservative justices said it's time to take another look. Is right. it unusual for SCOTUS to take up issues on its own? Very unusual, yeah. I mean, yes. Sometimes you'll see a line in an opinion here or there, but it's very unusual to reach out that way because the court's supposed to wait till the issues come to them. And then this, uh, others may uh, complain that the court says, Interfering with the uh, with the the rights of Congress, who legislate yeah. the laws, you have to be careful there. And that's right. That New York Times Sullivan case was a key case in media law in terms of libel and slander. Yeah. So why do they want to mess with a good thing? I guess it has to do with the changing media landscape with social media. Huh? That's why yeah. they're in their bonnet. Yeah, I, yeah. It, it sounds like they're saying, you know, the way the law has been written um, and and decided by the Supreme Court is too narrow to include modern technologies and that somehow it should be updated. But it's it's not unusual for someone to raise that issue. It's unusual for the Supreme Court to question one of its own decisions and say, you know, maybe we ought to revisit that and, you know, make it a little bit more modern. Hmm. Well, right. the, Supreme Court, the Supreme Court has done that many times uh, with respect to slavery. And I think the, the, the laws that were decided on... Uh, Post uh, work construction, but Henry, I don't think I don't. I, I know that they've revisited their own opinions, but usually, yeah. um, I'm of the impression that it's almost always because someone else asked them to do so, not because they instigated it. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, well, yeah. The yeah. significance of that distinction to you, Tom, does it? Make you nervous? Does it make you wonder where that's coming from? Or? It seems like the very definition of an activist court. Uh-huh. True. Yeah. True. And, 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 and that, that concerns me a little bit. Does this open the door to 
greater libel suits if somebody says something nasty on on Facebook or some other social media, or would they narrow that down in some way for public figures especially? I don't know. I haven't read all the details on what the two of them said, but as a as a uh, representative of uh, journalism, I it makes me nervous. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we studied that Sullivan case in journalism school. It was uh, it was one of the things that we all thought was a, a good thing. Right. Uh, coming up so it makes me nervous when somebody deliberately says on the supreme court specifically deliberately says oh yeah let's let's change that let's change that it, uh, if, if they're going to be an activist court i would prefer they didn't direct their uh their knife at i'm mixing my my metaphors there at uh, at the press i'd like the press <laughs> to be left alone <laughs> if they're going to be activists, yeah, yeah, it would be different yeah. if uh, if the New York Times or or CNN or Fox News were to to you know pick out a case or or take some kind of a case that's pending in a lower court that could be used um, that, that's that's hanging on um, that decision. Yeah, um, but but has something to do with um i i don't know facebook i even if donald trump said i don't think it was fair for twitter to knock me off or facebook to shut down my page and wanted to you know challenge that under this or some other supreme court law it would be totally appropriate right right that's their role yeah yeah Hmm. But as I say, what, what what concerns me too is that by by saying that, that's I suspect that's going to encourage somebody to file a case. Well, yeah, uh, it's it's an lines. open invitation. It's yeah. it's it's like, uh, you know, hey, if you want to make some changes to uh, New York Times v. Sullivan, um, you know, in the context of of more modern media and and tech, um, we'll hear it. Yeah, and and it's kind of a little bit nerve-wracking because, let's face it, dear friends, the question of truth and who's telling the truth and who's allowed to say that's a lie has all become a huge part of our media diet every day. Um, so if it if it focuses the attention on the people who are saying who are calling out lies, let's say, um, that begins to make me nervous. And I'm not sure that they're wrong. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting thing to talk about. I, you know, I, I, I don't think that opinion is wrong. I just think they're the wrong guys to initiate yeah. it, or, uh-huh. or, or at least it strikes me as unusual. And and I it and does, I wanted yeah, to. And I, uh, and, you want to hazard why this is happening? Anybody have any views on that? Why but, they? Why they? What prompted the two of them to do that? Hmm. Um, well, well, social media has changed. I mean, social media has changed a lot. I mean, people clearly can be harmed by what's said on social media, even though it doesn't appear in print in the New York Times. But well, I we've certainly see... seen it in cases of bullying. You know, yeah, yeah, just, just yeah, to bring it down to closer yeah. to home. But but I I think Gorsuch really kind of expressed his reasons, you know, for bringing it up when he said. This is all about the revolutions in technology and how anyone yeah. in the country can publish anything that can be seen anywhere in the world. 
for immediate consumption. Whether and, it's and and I, I no, think there, there was I, a case a number of years back where uh, kids, I mean, in high schools, I think, published some of the mechanisms of how to make a bomb. Oh yeah, and I remember that, Henry. Yeah, you remember sure. that, and sure. uh, uh, that was scary. No, that was uh, in the the uh, it wasn't the Anarchist uh, Digest. No, that, that that book that came out late sixties, early seventies. Yeah, the, the the Anarchist the, Cookbook. The Anarchist yeah. Cookbook it was called, and had had the plans in it. That's right. And the kids who do this stuff, they're good at what they do. They're professionals. They're right at the threshold of having the most knowledge in the world. <clears throat> and this was being published so that if it was about the bomb, and I think they they mentioned the neutron bomb in there and stuff like that. And, and this, um, and some Americans were concerned that our enemies were looking at this, and we may be releasing secrets uh, that are getting to our enemies. If you recall that, hmm. I don't remember all the details, but it was, and it uh, it got my attention. Yeah. But without saying so, I think uh, I, I think Justice Gorsuch was actually sort of inviting a conversation about the very thing you brought up, Jan, about, you know, you can spread any lie you want Mm -hmm. on Facebook, and there is no repercussion. Yes. If if a case came up where that was the argument uh, in in favor of of, uh, revisiting Sullivan, that could be healthy for the society, but if it's the bar on, um, if it uh, gives more protection to public figures, that means that um, it's easier for them to resist a libel attack, uh, or it's easier for them to get a, get at the press. Then that would make me nervous. It sort of, you know, in a way, yeah. what I'm trying to, it it makes a difference what angle it it, it takes. Yeah, there was that, always that distinction between public and private figures in terms of the, the Sullivan right. case and a few other surrounding ones. That that was the essence of Sullivan, wasn't it? That right, that's right, that's right. The public figures were more susceptible, would be legally more less protected against libel. Yeah, than, uh, yeah, you, than, you could you could call you yeah. could call Donald Trump an idiot without having, and he could he couldn't sue you saying, "Well, I've checked with my psychologist and I'm not an idiot." You know, right, that right. Kind of thing. I got tested uh, for that. <laughs> yeah, okay. I knew those five words. Yeah. <laughs> what was it again? Man, woman, right. camera. <laughs> the other two, I don't remember. <laughs> Man, woman, camera, TV. <laughs> but I forgot to list myself. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I just I just wanted to bring that to everybody's attention because it that one really kind of jumped off the page at me. Yeah, it's interesting. So, um, I wonder when was the last time where something like that was proposed by a, by the by any portion of the uh, big nine up there. Hmm. I couldn't think of one. Even you know, I I suppose maybe there are some remarks in speeches from um, oh uh, the late uh, Justice Scalia. Or, yeah. or or maybe yeah, RBG. There was, there were, but the, those, those weren't in the official opinions. Uh, you know, they were. Yeah, you're right. They, they often gave speeches or made comments here and there in other in other forums. But it is unusual, I think. Uh, 
in some dissents, for some decisions you'll find that, the, uh, the dissent in Plessy Ferguson suggested that the other eight of them were wrong, and he was probably proven correct 50 years later. Um, but it is rare. It is rare. You know, well, if, um, if, if, the, if, the, if the criterion is whether it's true or not, like, I, you know, I think in, in journalism school they used, to say, they used to tell us, well, you know, you're okay if it's true. If you can prove that it's true, then it's not libel or you're protected. So I, I was just thinking as we were talking that if that would be the criterion, then I think Joe Biden should sue Fox News for all the lies about <laughs> not being yeah. the president. You know? right, uh, I mean, right. if, that was, if that's the criterion, <laughs> if that's what this action, if that's what Thomas and Gorsuch's uh, 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 comments suggest could happen, but I, I don't think that's the crux of it. I think there's something else behind it. Does yeah. that make sense, what I was just saying? Yeah, I see what you're it saying, Jan. I, I can see this also. I mean, if, if you were to go that direction, and, and I can see the possibility of uh, avalanche of lawsuits where everybody who got insulted on Facebook could file a lawsuit against somebody else because somebody called somebody an idiot, which happens yeah. about 20 times a minute in Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, how, true. Hey. How do you weave in uh, the freedom of speech aspects here? Right, right, and yeah, that's what—that's that, going to be a complicated thing. Yeah, but you're right. We we need uh, some revision there, but we got to consider people, Americans pride their freedom of speech. Right, and the freedom of speech is to tell a lie as well. Well, speaking yeah, of freedom, freedom, speaking of uh, freedom of speech. We have a caller that I'm going to bring in for just a moment. Hey, Max, are you with us? Uh, yes, uh, the great wisdom of this radio show. It is so deep, <laughs> I'll tell you. It just goes on for years. Uh, Tom and the group, they're all icons. I, I have my brother Jack. He's going to send a check because uh, we got to get a bigger tower. And he's only giving me a minute, so i got to get it all in. And uh, what <laughs> talent we have there. It's simply, simply amazing. You guys have a good show. And I'm listening. Boy, Wikipedia, run for your life. <laughs> Thanks, Max. Good morning, Max. Good morning. <laughs> what, what class? Boy, I'll tell you, I just, you guys make me sweat. <laughs> and, be, and, and be sure to tell Jack I said hello. Uh, yeah, he's listening right now, and uh, he's really going to have his brother committed. <laughs> Later. Bye-bye. All right. Bye, Jay. Or, bye, bye, Max. Yeah, Ralph. <laughs> Later. Well, that's nice to hear Max's voice again. Yeah. Yes. Huh. Okay. I'm speechless. <laughs> well, uh, you know, all evidence to the contrary <laughs> will we'll move ahead. Um, and get into some local things. The Flint City Council approved a resolution to authorize city staff to extend the contract with Republic Waste Services for 90 days uh, through September 30th, 2021 for nearly $1.5 million. Um, the resolution was approved 5-4. to four. Uh, Will council be able to approve a long-term contract before this 90-day agreement expires they didn't even get this one done in time given that, not unless you elect a new board between within 90 days uh, they don't work well together they won't be there till november at, at little it don't have an election till november the full election till november primary uh, in august what a but, mess yeah i mean 
when I, as I watched that whole thing play out, I say, hey, can't we do anything simple here in Flint? I mean, it was <laughs> just one thing after another. Good, just picking up the garbage this is not exactly rocket science. Uh, I know. Yeah. That's how I feel about it, too. It's like, to me, that's one of the definitions of a city that works. The 90-day I mean, extension was originally proposed on June 30th. And they couldn't, yeah. and, and they couldn't get it passed. I, I don't understand. I, I've been trying to follow it. Uh, I've been, I've been uh, reading Tom Travis's stories. And it's, like, it's almost like they, they value their squabbles with each other more than they do serving the, the taxpaying public. And it's just, oh, it's so exasperating. Yeah. It's, uh, and you listen to the meetings trying to follow exactly what they're voting on at any given time gets more and more confusing as they object to each other's objections over and over and over again. Hey, I, I, because you mentioned uh, Tom Travis, and he does such a tremendous job of, of covering uh, the city council for the yeah, uh, East yeah. Village yeah. magazine, and I've been seeing things that, that make it seem as though he's, um, if not leaving, considering leaving the area. Oh boy! I really hope that's not what happened. Yeah, but I know. I, we 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 all responded to his post there. That's true. I hope it. I hope it doesn't happen. He's a great asset to the magazine. Well, I would yeah, just what he's expressing is is significant. What he's expressing is worrisome. You know <clears throat> that he he said he's tired of small-minded people. Uh, basically, <laughs> and some of them are in positions of influence. Uh, the small-mindedness. That he feels yeah. here. But what does what does a great mind like Tom's leave behind by leaving? That's the that's the part that troubles me the most. I mean, I, I wish him well, whatever he decides, but I would just hate to see one of what really amounts to a very small handful of good, solid journalists in Flint. I know. Mm-hmm. And, and I we'll hate, be very much the poorer for it. Uh, yeah, that's true. He's, I think so, too. And, and he, he, I, I always almost have tease him about the fact how he survives those city council meetings is beyond me. And just to, to endure the six or eight or ten hour meetings is no small accomplishment. I know. And then, uh, I, you know, it, it's personal to me because he took over after I got burned out and cut out and I stayed I'm staying in Flint but um it burned me out I mean the the way trying to keep uh our brand of journalism going at East Village magazine uh really burned me out and he his his willingness to carry on with it has really been hugely significant to me and it's and it really matters to this darn town so yeah you know the question might be what do we do to keep him here, I mean, and people like him. What what is it that we that the rest of us can do to to um, encourage people that you know all is not lost in this town? It uh, there's something about the trash situation that's that just seems like for some of us feels like the last straw. It's like really, come on, come on, you know, uh, or as, as as Biden would say, what's the deal? Here's the deal. Yeah. What's the deal, man? Yeah. <laughs> it's all, all that malarkey. Come on, man. Malarkey. <laughs> uh, yeah. what, what do you think? I mean, I'm so glad you brought that up because it, t- it touches my life directly. 
that yeah. um, um, and and whether other people understand it or not, it touches their lives too. Um, if we can't know what's going on there, if we can't fight back against this, you know, malarkey, this constant malarkey, uh, that means we're going to have heaps of stinking garbage in our street or in our, you know. Uh, <clears throat> and I mean, so what do you know, we, what can we do, Tom? I, I appreciate you bringing that up. What what choices do we have as a community to keep somebody like Tom uh, trying to stay here, willing to stay? Well, I th- I think at the very least we, you know, should. I, I mean, we can't in all humanity, <laughs> you know, encourage him to stay or try to prevent him from bettering his own situation. But I think at the very least we can point to the void that it creates and hope that that grows someone to fill it. Yeah. Uh, You know, I'm going to say something very self-serving for East Village Magazine since you brought this up, and that is that people have to pay or that there's a degree to which we have to find concrete ways to show how much we value what what we get from from the free press. And uh, we're we're struggling right now with this coming up with a strategic plan for East Village Magazine going forward, and we have two issues: uh, recruiting people to do it and the resources to support those people. And it's a big issue for local journalism here in Flint and around the country. Uh, so you know, um, in the, at in the, at the personal level, what Tom is going through is almost spiritual in nature. I don't mean in the traditional churchy sense, but I mean, how does his, how is his spirit affected by a community that's just not pulling together right? And, and then, but there's a larger issue too about how do we support telling the true stories of what's going on to help people make decisions and, and so on. It's a big thing. And Flint, as usual, is, uh, it can, is a national example of so many things that go right and wrong in this country. It would be so nice to think that you know, Flint could somehow get its act together um, to show the rest of the country a town that's been as down as this city can pull itself together and keep some basic things going, like uh, decent city services and and a vigorous, robust local press. I'm, yeah. Well, I, it'd be just, nice to get the, the trash picked up on time, especially, uh, you know, in a fairly hot summer. I know. How do we do it? <laughs> I mean, I've heard people on Facebook saying they're going to take their trash and put it in the front yard of City Hall. <laughs> I think that happened one time before when there was when we we had a two week delay for the trash uh, some years ago. Some people did that. What we're talking about is something very trivial: the collection of trash, as you say, Jan. It should it's not very rocket basic. science. Not it's rocket basic. science. No, it's it, very it's basic. And it affects us and confronts us every day of the week. <clears throat> and yet, people want to make a monument out of simply collecting trash. And uh, to, and this is no disrespect to the men and women who do this every day and to see themselves. Uh, right. I know. I mean, these guys, these, disrespectfully, I think these, the truck, uh, they are. We have, to, we have to take a break here, um, but I, I, I do want to point out as we go to break that I, I think someone should at least tell Republic thank you for keeping the trucks rolling during limbo. 
That's right. Yes, yeah. Yeah. But keep it yeah. public. Yeah. Now, that yeah. doesn't affect the long-term contract, but it should be said. Hello there, we'll be right here. back. Darkwing Duck here, and every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? A COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination. Freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Say, objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? 
Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, as we continue with uh, today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program, featuring our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Jan Worth-Nelson. By the way, Tom, during the break, I came across a story actually on Facebook saying that in terms of your earlier comments about the Supreme Court, that Donald Trump is planning a a class action lawsuit against uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, from Facebook and Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, uh, I presume because of his exclusion from those things. I don't know any more than that, but I just saw it in the last few minutes. (laughs) Well, I I, I guess uh, my prediction was already in the works. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Um, let me squeeze in one more uh, local thing before we go on to uh, Lansing. A news conference held yesterday promoted bipartisan legislation driven by a Flint family's call for justice after a three-year-old boy was shot and killed in an October drive-by shooting. Messiah Williams was fatally shot about 11.30 p.m. October 22nd of 2020 at his home in the 1600 block of Oklahoma Avenue. If passed into law, the legislation named Messiah's Law would make it mandatory for anyone who shoots into a populated area and kills a child to be imprisoned for life without parole. It would also establish additional penalties for those who injure minors when shooting into an occupied area. My question is um, not whether this is right or wrong, but how will this law hold up when applied to minor age offenders given recent Supreme Court rulings with regard, mm-hmm. with regard to minors and mandatory sentencing? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think that would put some real limits on that kind of thing. And <clears throat> I mean, when I hear when I hear those kind of things, I mean, I, you have sympathy for it. But I mean, the, the basic murder law certainly opens a lot of possibilities for some very serious sentencing under any conditions. I would think so. I uh, whether it cha- really changes behavior, I don't know. Well, something has to be done about drive-by shootings. And as we know, that <clears throat> um, minorities are the major uh, targets of this kind of violence, and the community must take a look at it and uh, and do something to prevent these kind of deaths. Let it continues to build and become symptomatic in the culture. I was there, and I really, I met the parents, and I met uh, brothers and sisters and the grandparents and so on and so forth. I thought he did a great presentation. And we do need to do something about our laws of violence in this country. It's, it's, it's symptomatic in every state, every community. And uh, to uh, just allow things to work out of control to the point where government ceases to function is ridiculous. 
but but is this a, something that that needs to be done by legislation, Henry, or is is this really an enforcement issue? Well, it's an enforcement issue, but but you can't enforce this issue if you got two sides to the same story. Uh, you got somebody has to decide what's right and what's wrong, and what's the strategy. And then we need to follow the law and the rules and regulations that creates this kind of uh, protections for the public. The public does need to be protected against violence. I I agree completely, Henry. I just I I, I just don't know that changing sentencing, making sentencing more specific and and more mandatory and all that is going to make much difference if you don't yeah, catch I, the people. Yeah. Yeah, my, yeah, my yeah, thought is, like I say, you've already got a murder law there that I assume includes up to life imprisonment. And when you add other things to it, it's easy to pass those laws, but I'm not sure it really has much effect on prosecutions or even the amount of time really served. I, I mean, when it comes time to taking somebody to trial and sentencing them, I, I, I really wonder if it makes any difference, and particularly if somebody's running around in the car shooting somebody, I doubt that they're considering the the fine details of Michigan-compiled laws as they're taking a couple of shots of some car going by them. Right, uh, it's like, you, oh, let's not do this drive-by, there's a kid in that house. No. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, then, it, and it also focuses on the whole issue of how loath we are to institute any kind of gun control. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go this route where we're going to increase the potential penalties on people that are already flaunting uh, <laughs> uh, flaunting gun, gun laws, and they're just you know it's not a it's not a it's not a situation where there's a lot of thought going into it. So is this what we're going to do for gun control now? Is that is that the approach we're going to take? I think it's ridiculous. It's uh, I mean, I, I agree that we should be concerned about drive-by shootings, but if that's our if that's going to be our approach to gun control, I think it's kind of fruitless. No, I, I don't. I, with respect to gun control, it doesn't even even touch the surface. This yeah. is to protect children and people right. who are yeah. innocent bystanders, having not be engaged in any activity, but and to put up with that. In a community, and each one of you know that each one of us is a target at all times, could be a target. You just don't ever know when it's going to happen. People carry guns in their cars, and uh, they could get enraged. And there's this thing of road rage, a lot of which uh, creates this kind of a situation. I know that there are two sides to road rage, but, but still, uh, the shooting, firing a gun into a car, that might be carrying people is should be and 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 the, I doubt whether this happens in any other country where they don't treat it uh, rapidly and hastily uh, with justice in mind. Yeah. But Americans have their love with guns and violence and and they yeah. Think if you you compare our, compare our rate of gun deaths to any other country. I mean, it's astonishing. Except for a few countries in the middle of the Civil War, here and there, there's there's no other country comes even close to the number of gun deaths that the U the United States has, combining murders and suicides and things of that <laughs> nature. But it's astonishing how the the contrast. It's astonishing. Uh, what was the 
number of gun fatalities over the Fourth of July weekend in the country. You know, uh, we're all watching horrified as they're pulling dead bodies out of this surfside collapse. Meanwhile, there's something like 450 or 500 fat- gun fatalities uh, in the I same think that weekend. About right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We got a we got we got a problem there with our love of our love of guns. Ah. Hmm. And, and stuff that blows up. <laughs> That's also true. Yeah. I once wrote a column for the Detroit Free Press. It was in the Detroit Free Press years ago about my love of fireworks. And I think that I'd like to take that back now. (laughs) (laughs) After the past weekend, right? (laughs) I've I've had enough of it. I've had enough of it. Anyway, so uh, was there a larger point about about guns that you hope to make there that... Uh, well, I don't. You know, it's my opinion when I I heard about this uh, that it had nothing to do with uh, our uh, uh, overarching goals to uh, control guns. Yeah, it had to do with violence of this type. And and how do we respond to it? The community, in all fairness, uh. Henry, and I can imagine, and I, I know that you know henry was at this event yesterday in flint and knowing henry i know his his heart just poured out to the the family of of that young child that this law would be named after but yeah but my my concern is that 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 action that legislation while it maybe soothes our hurt while we're talking mm-hmm. about it, it isn't catching bad guys, right? And, and but again, it supports the the need for police and uh, accountable police department. It does, and, and that's and and I guess that's what I'm bringing up is, you know, okay. why aren't we seeing press conferences, Henry, with uh, you know bipartisan efforts to, um, you know, better train, better staff. Um, law enforcement agencies in communities around the state and around the country um, so that, you know, when when someone does something like this, there's absolute certainty that they will be caught and punished. We can't always guarantee that people will be caught and punished because that is problematic all the time. We then, just then why increase the punishment? That. Pardon? Then why increase the punishment? Yeah. Well, you know, this is uh, if we're if we're not going to guarantee that they'll be caught and punished, why don't we just say let's you know let's take them to the town square and cut off their heads? Because yeah. do you, not, do you know how many happen. crimes that have never been solved in this country? That's my There's point. L- lots well, yeah, of crimes yeah. you know, that I, have never been solved. I'm yeah. thinking if, if those laws have any utility at all, and I'm not sure they do, maybe they have some utility for a prosecutor when it comes time to plea bargain with the defendant. Yeah, maybe. Defendant to plea. You know, you all, you know we're, we're going to charge you. We can, you, can, you can be charged with five crimes. You go guilty on three, we'll drop the other two. That's kind of a bargaining chip for a prosecutor. But as far as any meaningful punishment, I don't think it really has much effect. I, I just think it's depressing because so much bad has already happened by the time you get to that point. Yeah. It's like, it, it's like um, 
it's like giving lots of money to uh, shelters for abused women. Good idea, but it shouldn't even be needed. You know, right. I mean, hey, I've got to I've got to stop could... you there, Jan, because we have to break. But we'll be back with the second half of Armchair Politics. Hi, I'm right Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.